Hi everyone, and welcome to Talking Talents. I'm Dane Nash, VP of Global Channels at PageUp. I'm very excited to kick off the 13th in our series of LinkedIn Live Conversations. Uh, it's called Talking Talent. We touch on the hottest topics in recruiting, DE&I, and employer branding. Uh, today on the show, I'm very excited to welcome Barb Hyman, uh, the CEO of Predictive Hire. Barb started her career as a solicitor and has held leadership roles in a range of sectors, including the arts, professional services, and tech. Now she's bringing her energy and passion uh, and insights to Predictive Hire as CEO, where she's excited by the opportunity to reinvent how organisations and leaders make the most important decisions in their business, who to hire and who to promote. Welcome to the show, Barb. Thank you, Dane. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. So on today's show, we will be touching on a very important topic, uh, one that uh, organisations often struggle with, which is attracting um, and hiring a diverse talent base. Um, so you will be sharing with our audience uh, how AI can play a role uh, that's really important in both reducing bias uh, and providing a great candidate experience. Um, we'll also touch on some of the concerns around the fairness of AI screening tools uh, and what Predictive Hire in, in particular is doing to make uh, tech screening more equitable. So given we are live, uh, for anyone that's listening now, please feel free to put a shout out in the comments where you're listening to uh, today's show from. Uh, and if you do have any questions for Barb or myself, please feel free to put those in and we'll do our best to answer them during the show. Uh, and if not, we'll follow up with uh, responses uh, afterwards. So Barb, let's uh, kick things off um, and uh, go to our first question. So uh, DE&I was an issue brought to the fore and prioritised in the last year, if not uh, starting a little bit before. Um, can AI uh, help to address DE&I outcomes? So... Um Look, I, I think AI is the game changer we've all been craving to help really deal with the challenge of um, diversity um, and inclusion. And there's a long list of reasons why, but maybe let me share just three. Um, the first one is around the reality of us as humans and the bias that we all have. Um, bias is really an innate human condition. It's not in just a few bad eggs. We all have it. It's part of that whole survival mechanism. And the challenge is that most biases are unconscious. You know, I'm looking at you, Dane, and I'm thinking, wow, I really like the way you engage and you communicate. It really feels very comfortable to me. You know, that's when you run into those risks around mirror hiring and bias that comes from what's familiar to you. And where AI can come into play, the right AI, is if you really want to interrupt the bias in us humans, you put the AI right at the very beginning of that recruitment process, the AI is not a sentient being. Some people think this um, idea of artificial intelligence is something that has its own mind. The key thing you need to look at is obviously the data that's been used to make those decisions, but it's basically blind to the biases that we bring as humans. So it's a very powerful, effective way to interrupt human bias if you use it really early on in the process. The second reason is around our own limitations as humans is that you know, we're limited by our own imagination and what we've seen before. I think we all know the stories of what happens when founders recruit from the schools that they went to. It's a pretty limited fishing pond, if you like, for talent. Um, and you're basically delivering, you know, sample bias when you're only looking at those places where you've gone or you know people have gone. And Google has done that research and shown that that's a very limited way of thinking about talent. So if you can use technology to look at a really vast talent pool without all the biases that we bring to what great looks like, you know, you're suddenly changing order of magnitude, the diversity of talent 
that you're able to to source. I think sourcing and selection are both very um, positively impacted by AI. Um, and the third one is that, you know, people sometimes imagine this AI as being this very weird, smart thing that you can't really unpack, but really it's just about data. What AI allows you to do is actually look at the data around um, people that you're hiring in a way that you just don't get, the people that you're not hiring that you don't get from humans. You know, what you get from humans is, I'm sorry, Dane, I can't give you the job, you're just not a culture fit. And what, what some AI does and what our AI does is we're able to track by race and by gender. Um, and if you have the data by people who identify as First Nations, English as a second language, what does that profile look like when people come in? What is the machine doing in terms of giving those um, different groups a fair go? And then what are your, your, your hiring managers doing? And that visibility of bias through the funnel is what I think the really exciting piece about using AI because, as we all know, you can't change what you can't see. And because AI allows you to see the bias, one, you can fix any bias in the algorithms, but two, you can challenge your organisation to fix their own biases. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah, certainly certainly, lots of things that resonate there. I mean, even in our product group, I know that uh, when we're revisiting our, um, our product development practices and the way we did research, um, sort of learning about these biases and things like confirmation bias and, and all of those different things that um, we don't necessarily see visible and that um, the bias is natural, that it's okay that there are some biases we want, um, but there's a whole bunch of biases that maybe we don't realise we have. So that's uh, re really good to think through. Um, so that probably is a good lead into my second question. So given, given we know there's biases, um, uh, particularly that, that, that we all already probably have biases in all of our different business practices. Um, there's been some concern over the use and fairness of AI in the candidate screening um, because of bias. Can you explain how AI screening tools minimise bias in the hiring process? Look, I think, I think some do the opposite, um, and that's why it's really important to not cluster them all into one group, but to really get close to the technology solutions. So if there's one thing that I hope comes out of this, it's that you know, um, decision makers in this space really lean in to understand AI because it has such tremendous power on many different levels, but not all our AI is equal. So um, the first kind of myth I just want to unpack around that, by the way, is this idea that if you've got only men coding, that you're going to end up with, you know, their biases within the technology. There's a big difference between technology that's built based on AI versus normal technology that you've got just engineers coding. And it's basically a furphy because the real source of bias in using AI tools is around the data, not around the people building the technology. And what you need to really look into with incredible scrutiny is where does that training data come from? Basically, how are you making this decision? You know, that Dane is the right or the wrong person for this business. And the data can come from a number of different sources. It can come from CVs. Um, it can come from, in the case of video AI, lots of things that are visible and invisible to you, the candidate, um, your background, um, your facial expressions, your micro expressions, your voice, um, or in the case of predictive hire, it comes only from your text responses. And if you think about that spectrum of data types, you can imagine that some are very high on the risk of bias and others much less risky. So, you know, we all know the story of Amazon. If you're building an AI off the back of CVs, you're basically going to feed in a lot of bias, even if you remove the name. So my advice is to discourage those who are thinking about using 
data, training data that comes from CV data because CVs are very gameable. Um, and even if you remove the name, there's lots of latent bias signals um, around pedigree, around race, around gender, et cetera, that come into that. I also think that video is a real risk, you know, and um, video in the US is being challenged right now from a bias and a discrimination perspective. And, you know, I think that's something to look really closely to. Are you comfortable with feeding that into the decision-making in the AI around whether someone's a fit or not? So for us, I think the key thing is to look at, you know, is it a blind screening tool? In our case, we use chat that doesn't know anything about you, doesn't know any demographics, so you really minimize bias. But if you're using something that is really strong visual cues or voice cues, you know, there's potentially a really high risk of of bias being introduced into the AI that, that you can't even see. So look at the training data, really understand what goes into the algorithm, understand whether that's being tested. You know, you should expect every vendor that you work with to share their adverse impact testing, to do adverse impact testing on your own candidate data. Um, keep the bar really high because I think, you, you know, you owe, you owe a responsibility really to your candidates as well as a legal requirement to ensure that you're being fair in your screening process. Mm, wonderful. So uh, you've touched on a couple of varied topics there. So in particular, sort of the, the impact um, assessments and things like that. So maybe that's a good lead into the next question around what, what steps predictive hire takes to reduce the algorithmic biases um, and maybe how you work with clients so that they understand those different activities they can undertake. Is that something that, um, given you mentioned that, that some systems actually probably are propagating more biases and other systems aren't, so that, that we shouldn't group all AI technologies together. Um, how do you work with organisations or what could an organisation do to make sure they're assessing those different technologies yeah. um, and what they need to look for in, in the vendor to make sure that they're not going to have those algorithmic biases? Yeah. So, so we actually felt so passionately about this in the industry and we were so worried about organizations selecting technology without really knowing you know whether they can trust it um, and maybe that legal reality hasn't hit many organizations yet but it will come is we actually shared our own standard that we had been using internally around um, fair which is ultimately the measure that we aspire to is are we fair in the way that we're building this technology and deploying this technology so that's a paper that we put out Earlier this year, we were actually recognised at the COGX Awards for that um, innovation in trying to really, you know, raise the bar order of magnitude for vendors around self-assessment, self-regulation and transparency about how their technology is built. And so that's the first place I would say to go because it really gives you a framework for what to look for. Um, and, you know, there are four different dimensions, um, one, of which, one of which is looking at how inclusive is the experience it's looking at transparency, explainability, obviously the lack of bias. So there's a very structured approach you can take to this. It guides you on the questions to ask. So, you know, please leverage it because I think you'll help your team and your business make the right decision. But, you know, a few key things to really encourage people to look at. One is take a very end-to-end -end view of the whole experience. If all you're looking at is the algorithm and you're not looking at the entire candidate experience, you're going to miss some areas where there's potentially a real chance of, of, of bias or a lack of fairness. So if you think about, for instance, you know, a video, what talent are you missing out on when you're using video hiring? Are you missing out on those people who are introverted, people who might have um, autism, people who have a stutter, people who don't feel comfortable showing their face on a screen? 
Um, so what you don't know is in your candidate pool, how many um, uh, different types of talent are you missing out on uh, in market? One of the things that we look at for our clients, we're just doing this with one of our major retailers, is we actually look at whether or not their applicant pool is representative of the population that they should be reaching. And we can see whether they're over and underweight. And what we've seen there, for instance, is, is that they're not attracting their fair share of women in their applicant pool. That's all about their EVP. Then we start to look at what is the machine doing as you go through that process end to end? Are we recommending proportionately um, the same ratio of men and women, the same ratio of people English as a second language? And then you look at hiring. Are you hiring proportionate to your starting point? And it's a very visible way of creating awareness and transparency around where those organisations are falling short on their EVP, on their um, recruitment process, um, on, on their, you know, the way in which they are making their hiring managers accountable for that bias. So one of the things we do is we sit down after a good six, nine months and we basically show them that data so that we're accountable for what we're doing in that process, but more importantly, that they can learn and see where they need to improve. And that's been unbelievably powerful. You know, when you think of large retailers who absolutely need to have talent that represents the diversity of their target customer base and they don't because they're not actually making hiring decisions that represent, you know, their starting point, that, that's, that's kind of, you know, insight that they'll never otherwise have. Um, so we work with them, obviously, on the starting point. We have conversations with, you know, a lot of organisations now have someone who's responsible for AI ethics in the context of data use. Um, and you're obviously going through procurement very deeply with people in privacy to help them understand the data and what happens to it and protection. But actually showing them the results of their decisions and our technology has really been, I, I think, the big aha for those, for those customers that we're working with. So it's not a one-time off you go. You know, you've got your tool, you're getting efficiency, candidates love it. There's an ongoing partnership um, of accountability really on both sides to see that it's delivering to fairness. Yeah, wonderful. Well, I love the fact that there's a really practical step there. So um, perhaps we'll, we'll get uh, get you to post a link in the comments after today's session to a link to that paper about the, the FAIR model to make sure that uh, the businesses are considering that. Um, something really practical they could do to ensure that, that they're uh, aligning. And I guess the second one there is um, really resonates sort of the holistic approach, right? Not not just looking at the, the screening step and say it's the screening step, the thing that's causing our our um, perhaps uh, not meeting our targets for DEI, but is it somewhere else in the, the whole recruiting funnel? Something that, that yeah, Page Up was certainly very passionate about from the very top of the funnel of candidate attraction through to screening and selection and offer. How do we make sure that we're we're, we're uh, hitting our targets at every one of those steps? Excellent. Um, so maybe that's uh, a good step into the next one, which is. Um, given the candidate experience is super important at the moment. So, so we, we, we've been going between polar opposites of unfortunate, enormous stand downs, really, really, really difficult employment market for lots of individuals through to uh, a hiring boom where the, um, the number of uh, job advertisements has exceeded, I think, the highs for five or 10 years plus. Um, so uh, everyone competing for the same talent. So when we go from having um, uh, AI solving for high volume, being being a, a simple way to screen out out lots of people. What 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 else can it do in a tight candidate market, and how can AI add value? Yeah, look, I mean, AI obviously gives you automation, 
and if you're not automating in high volume, then, you know, I don't understand because I think that um, you're never going to be able to reach everyone. And if you're lucky enough to have a brand that's really well known, that's attracting a lot of candidates, you want to interview all of them, but you have to use technology to do that at speed. So speed is the key one today for hiring. We're just about to go live with, um, you know, one of the largest uh, employers in the country and they will be making their offers within 24 hours. That is critical for them because they market right now, Dane, and so people want to know fast. And I think this whole idea of it's okay to take a week or it's okay to take three weeks or six weeks to get back to people, like that has to go, you know. Candidates want to know and the lack of communication and the lack of speed is going to mean that you lose out on those great candidates. So I think, you know, the business that can move first to grab talent and they're able to give an experience that is brilliant for every person that gives them all an equal and fair go, that's going to win the best talent. I think the other piece when AI can really help is you don't want to just hire anyone fast, right? You want to hire the right people fast. And because AI, or at least our AI, is actually a machine learning technology that learns from your decisions and it learns from those candidates in role, whether or not someone turns up or they stay six weeks or they stay six months, we're able to actually drive towards better quality over time. And that is a game changer, particularly for high volume. If you can deliver on speed of hiring, great candidate experience, reduce churn over time, um, you know, you're pleasing everyone. You're pleasing the business and you're obviously also pleasing the, the recruitment team. So there is no way to solve for all of that without AI. But it's got to be the right AI that um, uh, that gives you that automation value. So, you know, one thing I do find quite interesting is a number of organisations using video tools where their team have to watch it. Aside from the cognitive load for the team and the impact in terms of bias that comes in when you're using a visual cue, to make decisions, you don't have any independent objective data, you're gonna be pretty slow. Um, and so, you know, how do you bring to bear at the top of the funnel that step where it is automated, it is inclusive, it does give candidates a great experience. You know, those are things that you can solve for now. And so, you know, technology is your friend, is what I'd say to recruiters right now in this candidate type market. Mm. Yeah, certainly we're, we're hearing that, um, yeah, candidates are, are, are often, uh, I mean, it, it's not uncommon for an individual to be in a recruiting process for multiple potential employers. But as you say, right, it, it's even more competitive than ever. And if uh, if someone else moves quicker, then, then the candidates disappear. And, and uh, yeah, I think the, the number of uh, candidates who are made an offer but then decline the offer is directly obviously related to whether it's accepting alternative offers or, um, or counter offers from their current employer. Might, might be really interesting for us to go back and review that yeah. data in, in the coming months to see uh, how big a shift um, that the first mover advantage is in that sort of offer stage. Yeah, I mean, you Excellent. don't really know do you, what your cross-offer win rate is, but think about mm. it from a perspective. Like, you want to feel wanted as a candidate. Absolutely. You know, you want to know, like, oh, my God, I just did the interview now and they called me up for the next round and then in 24 hours I get an offer. Like, that just makes you feel amazing. So mm. how do you scale that? You know, only through AI can you scale that. And so the ability to really win talent because you're making people feel great because you're communicating it to them really quickly is, um, uh, it, it, you know, is what you achieve with AI. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think um, just reflecting on some of the research we've done, I, I think we have seen a, a drop by a few percentage points in that sort of offer ratio. So it's already happening that yeah, yeah. customers are making offers, but they they might be moving too slow and the candidates are already gone. So, um, so yeah, I think we, we've probably already touched a little bit on this, but maybe just any closing comments on um, on how AI can help to deliver a great candidate experience. So we've sort of covered a couple there already. So a quicker experience for a candidate is always a better yeah. one. Uh, yeah. Any, anything else to reflect on there? Well, I think one thing I really, you know, think about a lot is like, what do we mean by a great candidate experience? You know, I think it's got it's got a lot of attention, but you know, I, I wonder if everyone has the same view of it. I take it, I guess, a really human view, and I put myself in the position and say, aside from I really want to know fast, I want to feel like I've had a fair chance, um, and you know, I, I I want to feel dignified, I want to feel empowered, and so. For me, the chance to share my story in my words, on my time, you know, in my tracky pants, um, without having to do hair and makeup or practice my video delivery is one thing that really makes me feel like I'm being respected as a candidate. Mm -hmm. The other is then hearing back fast. And the third is to learn from it. And I think the one area that has been so lacking because it's so impossible to do if you don't use technology is getting back to candidates. And getting back to candidates is not, hey, Dane, well, you know, um, or sorry, you were rejected. It's like, here's what we learned about you from this process and we want to share that with you and we hope it can help you in getting your next job. Like, that's that's amazing. That's like not even the end of ghosting. It's the beginning of, you know, empowered candidate experience. So I'd love to see a much higher bar set by organisations when they think about what great is. That's what we do, and the 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 the, the follow-on impact for the brand, something like seventy-eight percent of the of the million candidates that have gone through our experience will more likely recommend you as an employer of choice as a result mm -hmm. of that. Like, think about what that does to your glass door feedback. So, you know, it can fundamentally change your long-term and short-term ability to win and attract talent. But you know, we've got to be aiming much higher than just you know, a video that sits on your career site that describes what the role is. It's got to be an end-to-end -end experience that is really human and empowering and dignifying and fair. Mm. Nailed it. We, we've actually just completed a fairly significant piece of research um, ourselves at PageUp on the candidate experience and, and what is it that that needs to improve um, for candidates. And yeah, there was there was two or three things that you just mentioned there that really stood out. So we, we had um, some of the, the, the uh, research was... So one-on-one -on -one interviews with, with candidates and, and one of the candidates had given a, a, a really horrific story where they'd been through 10 interviews um, mm -hmm. and then to find out they were unsuccessful with, with not a lot of feedback. So enormous investment from a candidate perspective to get little return. Um, mm -hmm. And then we also have a, a, another example to your point around, well, if I do get the right feedback, uh, how do I perceive my experience? I, I was not successful mm -hmm. in getting the role, but if I got the right constructive mm -hmm. feedback, then... Um, maybe I feel positive and we had a really great example of one of the, the individuals we interviewed that had um, had been screened for a, an airline customer they'd missed out on the position but they were given really constructive feedback and they actually reapplied um, months down the track having learned from that feedback and then were actually successful in the second round of, of applying and got the job and, and now so passionate about that that particular um, organization they work for that even though at the moment they're unable to work for that particular employer, they have yeah. other employment, they are yeah. bursting with excitement about the opportunity yeah. to go back to that employer when it's possible. 
So that, yeah. that affinity that you can build yeah. with a candidate by, by yeah. as you say, you treat them as a human, give them the feedback, give them the fairness. So, yeah. yeah oh, look, really, I mean, really you know, I'm blown away by what just, you know, listening to and then helping people learn does for the human, you know, at this time. Yeah. I don't know if that's a, 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 an employee of Qantas. Qantas is one of our clients. They've been a client for three and a half years and they switched from using video AI to predictive hire because their new head of HR came from running the customer division and saw what they were doing in HR and said, we would never treat our customers like that. So why are we treating our candidates like that? They don't feel safe. They're dropping out. They're getting nothing back. It's unfair. And, you know, a big reason for them sticking with us over these three years, putting aside efficiency is that part of it is that their brand is precious. It's you know, their whole business comes from the trust that people have in their brand and that applies to candidates as well as to consumers. So, um, you know, you can really help a business, not just recruitment from creating a, a very human candidate experience. Wonderful. Well, that's uh, all we have time for today. It's been absolutely wonderful having you on the show and uh, hopefully our audience has got some really great takeouts. As I mentioned, we'll try and get the, a link in the comments for your um your paper that helps uh, organizations understand what they should be looking for in AI. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, for our audience, look forward to seeing you again in a, in a future episode uh, in the next couple of weeks. Thanks, Dane. Cheers all. Pleasure. Bye now.